College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 38 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1Baseball.com podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. This evening's podcast brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the pros. If you believe that decision-making is an important part of uh, succeeding in sports, um, you're right, and S2 can help. These guys are awesome, so really appreciate that partnership. Uh, Gentlemen, good evening. Happy MLK Day. I'm joined by the great Kendall J. Rogers, the great Aaron J. Fitt, the great Joseph J. Healy. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. How are we doing? Ruins. I mean, let me jump in here first. Please. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pound the over on 38. 38 minutes? This is the top yeah. 25 podcast. It was, aggr- it was aggressive. The first one of the year. What are you thinking? <laughs> I just put, uni- put it in the universe. This <laughs> is the easiest money of the year right here. Pound the aggressive. over. Unaggressive. Yeah, there, yeah, that's right. There's no chance. But hey, we've we've got it. We've got we've got a concept, and I think we we can do it. All right, so let's do this, boys. Let's get let's get in here. Now I'm feeling the pressure. We got a shot clock tonight. The um, first of all, happy MLK Day, Martin Luther King Day. We're taping this on January 16th. I just want to say, what a life, right? Like I'm I'm stressed out about my you know my national sales meeting next week, and Martin Luther King. Um, you know, sacrifice his life for civil rights. So, like, get some perspective, Coach Rooney. But what a life, you know, in uh, great holiday. And so, um, yeah, happy MLK Day, everybody. Uh, boys, here's the agenda, as they say in New England. Here's the agenda for today's call. We are going to talk about the launch of SEC Extra, which happened today. And then we're going to talk about the rankings, which uh, by the time you've listened to this podcast will have been released, the D1 Baseball rankings brought to you by netting pros so uh boys let's do this kendall and and fitzy i want to start with you guys you know any business and our website is a business right like let's let's call a fish a fish businesses have to grow to survive right but this is also a passion project for you guys right like this is your life's work so that's a tricky balance Mm -hmm. so before i I want to talk to joe in a second about you know joe's going to be the person that executes the the vision of sec extra but for you guys, you know, there's always risk and there's always nerves when you do something new with something that, you know, this is your guy's baby. So, you know, uh, Kendall, why don't you go first and then you, Fitzy, you know, tell us why. Like, what's the thought process behind SCC Extra? I think the biggest thing is when you look at the Southeastern Conference, the, the biggest thing that we want to do uh, as a company is, you know, as we build this thing up, you know, we, we've got scores accomplished, we've got content accomplished, and the biggest thing is like as we kind of spread our wings, so to speak, I feel like there are a lot of companies out there who try to kind of dip their toes in all sorts of different things. And you don't really know kind of what the mission statement is, so to speak. And I think for us is we kind of view this as, as a gateway to doing so many different things. I mean, I, I kind of envision this as one of those things that, hey, you know what, if the SEC is successful, I would absolutely love and people have asked me this today, like I would absolutely love to dive into doing more ACC specialized coverage, more Big 12, more Pac-12, more, you know, I I don't know if you call it mid-major, but like more specialized mid-major stuff. So to me, it it just feels like a a perfect market uh, to to kind of test this thing in. And I think, uh, you know, as we've seen today, uh, it's going to be pretty successful. I, I think if you look around the country, I think anybody from the West Coast to the East Coast would admit that SEC fans are ultra, ultra passionate about baseball. And uh, I think the more that you can kind of give those people, 
the better. So, uh, you know, long story short, our vision kind of extends beyond this, but this is kind of our gateway into it. And, and so far, only 24 hours into it, but so far uh, it looks really, uh, really good and it should be very successful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think first off, you know, everyone knows that when it comes to college baseball, the SEC is the largest market. Um, it is where there is, you know, the metrics don't lie. The ratings don't lie. Everything else. I mean, is where there's the most interest. Look at the attendance numbers, everything It's where there's the most interest in college baseball. Uh, the most people who care the most, or maybe just the most people who care, <laughs> you know, because there's people in every conference who care a lot, you know, just as much people in the SEC do. So I, I don't want to sell them short, but they're just more of them in the SEC. It's just a fact. And so that's why we started with the SEC. Um, and, you know, and it helps that. We've got the right people in place here, guys. I mean, our, our man Joe, um, I mean, he's been around this this game for a decade and has has, has shown what he can do. And, and, of course, Mark Etheridge, dating back to the SEC baseball days, you know, I mean, that site was very successful covering um, largely the SEC, but, you know, that region of the country, you know, two decades ago, right? So, I mean, uh, you put these two guys together, and what we're doing is we're, we're providing, you know, more, and we're not sacrificing what we do on the main site. Kendall and I and, you know, runes and shoddy and Eric and everybody, we're still all going to be doing the same stuff we've been doing. And it's all going to still go on the regular side. If I go to a South Carolina Vanderbilt series, um, we're not going to stick that behind the second paywall. It's still going to be on the main site, you know, for our main subscribers, but we're going to give you more, you know, Joe and, and Mark on a day-to-day basis, a week-to-week basis. There's going to be a lot more and, and deeper stuff for those people. And, and we'll see how it goes. And for us, as you said, it's just a matter of, how do we grow the business? What's the next step in our evolution? Um, and uh, and I think this is this is the way forward for us. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Love it, Joe. What would you say? What's your what's your? You know, obviously this is the reason you've come to D1 Baseball. And and what's your? Tell us about what your 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 vision for this is. I think it's really an option. Oh, first, I should say uh, thank you, Aaron, for giving context there. That because um, Mark's not here and able to defend himself, that I've been around the game for, a <laughs> and he has been around the game for decades, plural. Thank you. Um, thank you for that kind of clarification there. Yeah. It's important. It's, I mean, facts are important, and it's just the reality of the situation. Sometimes. So, um, right. So, you know, I think this is a cool opportunity. You know, Mark said on Twitter today. That, you know, he put it simply in, his, in in the way that only Mark can. Like, we're going to tell some stories, y'all. And like, I think that's, yeah. I think a cool way to put it, honestly, because yeah. I think we, we see it, Mark and I, as an opportunity to, I'm not sure the right phrasing here, but fill in some gaps maybe, or just really try some yeah. different things. And the point that Kendall and Aaron have both hit on is, is 100% true. And it's something I went out of my way to mention on Twitter today. It's that if you're a D1 baseball subscriber and you're happy with what you get and you know, you're, you're worried about getting things taken away from you. Like I get it, but that's not the way this is going to happen. Kendall, Aaron, everybody else is still going to cover SEC baseball. What Mark and I are going to do is give you a little extra. Mark would use the phrase lanyap because he lives on the Gulf coast and talks with a Southern accent. And the idea behind that, the examples I've given to a lot of people as we've launched this project are, look, last year we spent a lot of time talking about Tennessee and understandably so. And, um, Arkansas and Texas A&M, but they're just stories of good teams that just kind of get overlooked and because of bandwidth and, you know, Kendall and Aaron are just two people, right? And so the things that just kind of get overlooked. And so Mark and I are going to be there to kind of give, uh, give those stories the, the, the time to be told, right? And so, um, you know, hopefully 
we'll give everybody a little bit of something. There'll be something for everybody on the site. We're also hoping to try a lot of new things. And so what I would say is, is bear with us because we're going to try some things and some of them are going to work spectacularly and some of them are just not. And that's just <laughs> what happens when you're trying new stuff. I'll be 100% upfront and honest with you. The other thing I would say just on a, a human level is, you know, we're launching another project that has a, has a paywall on it. And like, I get it. I am a, a man who, you know, is, is married and we have a budget and we go through it. And just the other day we were doing that thing where it's like, we're paying what for this streaming service? We haven't watched anything on for six months. So <laughs> look, you know, look, brother, I get it. You know, <laughs> like we're all, we're all trying to make those dollars and cents work. So, um, but what I can assure you is that we, Mark and I are going to do everything we can to bring you value with this subscription. We're going to do some new stuff. We're going to do some stuff that, um, some tried and true stuff that you would expect from a site like this. We're also going to do some stuff that I can guarantee you, you would not have thought of us doing. And we're just going to try some things out. So if you're on the fence, give us a shot. That's all I can really ask of you. Uh, if, if you're kind of like, hey, I'm not sure what this is about. I, I would love for you to give it a shot and give us a chance to, to earn your business, as they would say in, in the business world. Um, cause I'm confident that we'll be able to, to get you in the door if you just give us a chance to do that. So, um, you know, love give it. it a go. SEC extras out there available for subscription now. Um, well you know, played. whatever it, uh, we can send you a print edition to your door or something. If you want to do it, just print <laughs> out this stuff and send it to you for an extra fee. We're really willing to do whatever it is to get you in the door, but, uh, regardless, for your service. Um, oh. yes, we're, we're super excited about though. And that's really, that's really, I think where Mark and I are at is we've been planning this for so long and working in the background for this, that now we're kind of glad that we're out of the gestation phase and we've given birth to this baby. Oh, I that's love a, it. That's kind of a weird Wow, that's a good way. To, that's an is. interesting way to put it. Yes, yeah. I love it. Hey, let me, Joe, I want to put a cap on that. <laughs> I'm going to say it this way. You know, the, the first of all, like, hey, when you can, SEC Extra gives D1 Baseball the chance to bring on someone like Joe Healy. And I'm going to embarrass Joe, but, you know, I think, Joe, if, if you're listening and you, you, you're not familiar with Joe, I'd be surprised by that. But you're not going to find someone that that loves college baseball as genuinely as Joe does. And he's an incredible writer and extremely insightful. And, you know, th this is huge for for our business, right, to be able to bring a Joe in. So if 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 launching SEC Extra is what brings Joe here, then that's a no brainer. The other thing I worry about at, at D1 Baseball is we have so much talent on our staff, but it's like a basketball team and there's only one ball. And this gets us a second ball. This gets more talented people, more shots. And I think that's another no-brainer. So again, if you're, it, coach. Say it again, Kendall. Way to put it. Yeah, you got it. That's right. I did coach a little hoops. Now, come on. Uh, yeah, the uh, I, I can I can diagram a, an inbounds play for you guys at, at any point. That's bad podcasting, though. But you guys get where I'm coming from. This is just another. If you love college baseball, this is this is a win for you, even if it maybe doesn't feel like a win yet. Um, th this is a win. Th this is just more, more oxygen for people that love our sport and provide insights. So anyway, super exciting day uh, for, for, for the enterprise. So boys, let's move on to the rankings. Um, this is always a painstaking process, you know, fun, but painstaking. So what we're going to do is we're going to pretend that, um, you know, you're just kind of diving into college baseball and we're going to go through the top 25. And our job is each one of us is going to do a headline for the team assigned to us. Just a headline. That's where we're going to start. There's plenty of time to do deep dives, and there's going to be plenty of that on the website. But tonight is headline night. 
um, as as we as we unveil the the top twenty five. Um, and so we're going to go in this order. I'm going to game it a little bit. Sorry, Joe. We're going to go Kendall, then Fitzy, me, then Joe, and then we'll just keep working in, in that order. I really just want to talk about Stanford, who's number three. Um, so sorry, Joe. I gamed it. Um, so Kendall, you're going first. Um, give us your team and give us the headline. And you're starting at number one. Well, number one, we've got LSU. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the clear cut, number one. I mean, the t- Tennessee fans and Stanford fans might argue with you a little bit. But I think when you look at LSU, the, the headline for me, I'm going to actually take a, take a little bit of a deviation here from Tommy White, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, and guys like that. But I'm going to say that the headline for me is, like, what what is their question mark? And I think for me, I think we would all agree is when you look at that middle infield, with Jordan Thompson and Ben Napolt uh, from, uh, you know, VCU, the VCU transfer, you know, both of those guys last year really struggled at times defensively. Uh, you know, Napolt's uh, fielding percentage was extremely low. And so I think if you're, if you're someone looking at LSU from afar and going, okay, they've got, you know, four great starters in the, on the week rotation, they've got that lineup with, with Tommy and, and Dylan and Trey Morgan and guys like that. Like where, where am I beating these guys? How am I beating these guys? I think for me, the headline for me would be like how did how did how did Thompson and Napole do up the middle? Because the thing about Thompson is, you know, it, he really struggled at times last year. But, you know, Jay Johnson told me during fall ball, and the day I was there uh, in Lafayette, he looked good. But Jay Johnson told me during fall ball that of all players, like he's taking taking one of the bigger steps defensively. And so, if those guys kind of stabilize that middle infield, which was an issue for them last year at times, uh, I mean, that makes this team you know, go from great to like beyond scary. So I think for me, I kind of look at LSU as like, they're so loaded that I'm looking at it as like, where is their weakness? And that's the one spot that you kind of look at and you go, okay, I, I could see that being a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a question mark. I love it. Fitzy, what do you got for numero deuce? Coach Rooney, I've got the Tennessee volunteers 57 and nine last year, that's historic, good regular season fell one win short of Omaha my headline is this it's the team after the team it's the team after the team how many times have we been down this road uh you think about Oregon State 20 what do they go 54 and 4 in 2017 um didn't win at all you know historic season didn't win at all and the next year they do 2018 you think about Virginia in 2015 or 2014 they were the best team in the country um and you know, Vanderbilt was good, but Virginia was number one. Like, they were the team. Didn't win at all. The next year, they sneak in a regional, and they do. You know, you think about Vanderbilt in 2013. They were the best team, along with North Carolina. Those were two, the two best teams in the country. But that was the year that Vandy went, what was it, 25-5 and five in the SEC or whatever it was. Like, that was the previous best season in SEC history. Didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't win at all. And the next year, they do. It's just like, it, it's, it's, that's, how many times do we see it? The team after the team, even, even. You know, Arkansas, you know, two years ago, that incredible regular season didn't get to Omaha and then they do. And so um, I I just think that it feels like that progression with Tennessee. They've got the best pitching staff in the country, especially the best rotation. It's just an absurd rotation um, with with Dolander, Burns and Bean. And then, you know, yeah, you lost a lot in the lineup, but I think they reloaded very well in the portal. I think they're going to have a little bit of a different energy about them this year. And and I think they're still going to have that that hunger. And so, um, you know, it's 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 extremely talented team, but the the pitching is as elite, and they've got a mission, and I think they get it done. It, it, it certainly, I think it's an Omaha team. I'll be shocked if this team's not in Omaha. 
Yeah, that's well said. All right, number three, I got Stanford, and I'm going to give – here's the headline. Star power and program momentum. I mean, it's hard – you know, it, I guess it's easy to forget. Maybe it's not, but Stanford's hosted five straight regionals. That's hard to do. They've been in three straight super regionals. They've been to Omaha two straight times. Quinn Matthews is going to be the preseason Pac-12 pitcher of the year. Braden Montgomery is going to be the preseason Pac-12 player of the year. Malcolm Moore could be the preseason Pac-12 freshman of the year. And that's not even bringing up Carter Graham. That's not even bringing up Tommy Troy. That's not even bringing up Drew Bowser. So Stanford is, you know, it's the most intimidating roster on the West Coast. They've got program momentum. The coaching staff's intact. I mean, this is just a really, really good team on paper. We know anything can happen. But, man, they just keep on rolling. And, and, you know, again, we know Stanford and Texas are the only two teams that have been to -to back-to-back Omaha's. It's hard to do. Stanford is just on a real roll right now, and they are so dang talented. Jose, number four. So the whole time you guys were talking, I thought it would be fun if I could come up with, like, a a New York Post-style pun headline because you're looking for headlines (laughs) here. So I, I didn't come up with anything great, so please, listener, manage your expectations. My headline is Ole Mist, M-I-S-S-E-D, with a question mark at the end of it. Ooh. Because my headline there is, how much are the departures of guys like Tim Elko and Kevin Graham and Justin Bench felt? Now, from a production standpoint, now certainly they'll be missed from a production standpoint, but I worry less about that <laughs> because I, you look at this offense and I still think it's a, a really, really good offense. Jacob Gonzalez, obviously. Kemp Alderman, I think T.J. McCants is in for a little bit of a better year. Peyton Chatagnier, maybe a little bit of a, a rebound year. Calvin Harris is a full-time player as opposed to a part-time player. There's a lot of reasons for optimism about the production. But I wonder if this is maybe a little bit like Mississippi State the year before where you lose Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen. And yes, the production matters, but also those were just two cornerstone players in a program that had been through a lot of battles and won a lot of big games. And we all know the impact of, of Elko in particular as a cult hero, but those other guys just really quietly productive. You know, Kevin Graham, his return to the lineup really kind of spurred Ole Miss on down the stretch last year. And Justin Bench might have been the most productive player that most people don't really know much about in the SEC. And so, again, it's less about how do they how do the numbers work out there, and it's more about do you lose those cornerstone tentpole players and there's just kind of like a hole in the, the soul of the team, for lack of a better way of putting it, right? So I think this is – and I wrote about this on a piece you could read on SEC Extra right now. Bingo. Um, yeah, that's a plug. How about that? Pros pro. Hashtag <laughs> pros pro. Um, yeah, this team is still has a chance to do something really special this year. Um, it's a really, really talented team. There's a reason we have them ranked number four, right? Um, but that's an interesting question for me is because sometimes you can bring back a really talented team – and it's just not quite the same because the pieces are different. And I'll, I'll be fascinated to see, especially once they get in the teeth of SEC play, how that maybe factors in. Yeah, I love it. Kendall, before you do number five, I forgot to mention this, but our top 25 all year is going to be sponsored by Netting Pros. By the way, I met those guys in person at the ABCA convention. It was awesome. Johnny Burbank is, you know, I want to have – uh, an adult beverage with Johnny Burbank someday. It's just so awesome. But you got everyone knows this, but Netting Pro specializes in the design, fabrication, installation of custom netting and padding for college baseball programs all around the country. Next time your field or facility needs something new, whether that's netting, wall padding, L screens, or ball carts, make sure you check out our friends at Netting Pros. These guys are awesome, and we're thrilled to have them sponsor the top 25. Kendall J. Rogers, talk to us about uh, team number five, please. Yeah, I think when you look at number five, Texas A&M, the really interesting thing about the Ags is when you when you look at a team 
that goes on a kind of a magical run like they did last year. Like, you know, they're, they're picked near the bottom of the league. They end up in Omaha. They end up in the final four of, the, of college baseball. When that happens, like, you kind of expect a majority of the team to be gone. Like, you, you're kind of like, okay, they must have a bunch of older guys, and they graduated a bunch of guys, or a bunch of guys went to the draft. And, like, A&M is not one of those teams. that You can look at, you know, losing a guy like Dylan Rock or losing Jacob Polish uh, and Micah Dallas, those, those, that, that kind of that special trio there. But other than that, when you look at that offensive lineup, you know, returning Ryan Targotch, you know, returning Jack Moss, who was really good offensively down the stretch last year and in the postseason kind of tapped into to power we really hadn't seen from Jack Moss before. You know, you look at, you know, Trevor Werner coming back finally healthy. Austin Bose decides to come back for another year. And then you throw in a guy with a lot of upside like Hunter Haas, who it all kind of hasn't come together for Haas just yet. But we all know it's in there, you know. So do, does that kind of bud with this kind of lineup around him? So A&M is ultra loaded offensively. They've got a lot of experience, which we all know in college baseball is important. The big question with A&M is, you know, what what can Coach Nathan do with their pitching staff? When you you know when you look at you know having you know a guy like Nathan Detmer at the front of the rotation, he's up to 99 in the fall. You look at Chris Cortez in the in potentially the number three spot. You know he threw hard last year. He kind of came in, came up, you know, into his own a little bit down the stretch last year. You know, but 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 as he is he more consistent this year. And then you look at uh, Troy Wanting, the Purdue transfer, and how does he kind of factor in? Like, can he make that big step to the SEC? So, uh, AM's a really impressive club. They're deep offensively. They got a lot of experience. There's a lot a lot to like about this team. Love it. Fitzy, this is so apropos. How did we pull this off? You Come on it. now. You rigged it this way. Deek Day. Deek Day. Hashtag Deek Day. Listen, put this on your calendars. Deek Day will be the first Saturday in Omaha. When Lake <laughs> yes. Florida strolls Look in. It. And Kendall Rogers has to walk into the press box wearing a Deacon head. Because. <laughs> make make them feel it. I want, I want, no, no. If they make it to Omaha, I'm going to go in the press box with one of those make them feel it shirts. Make them oh. feel it. No. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get you a custom. A custom deacon head. It's a custom deacon head. Perennial doubter, Kendall Rogers. And I would, listen, I I would do that without a trip to Omaha. I, I get it. You know, Wake Forest, they, I don't think they've been to Omaha since the year they won it all in 1955. I think that was their last run. Um, they, the last time they've had a team that was highly regarded like this as, as, a, as a preseason, you know, top 10 team was, you know, the, the Kyle Sleeth, Ryan Johnson days. Hashtag RJ plug for you right there. Uh, you know, back back in the early aughts. Um, and, uh, you know, getting over the hump with the weight of expectations is a little bit of a different deal. And this is a program that they have had talent before. Uh, you know, under Tom Walter, they were one win from Omaha in 2017 before they lost to Florida. Um, you know, they hosted a regional. And then they've had some underachieving teams. Um, but this team has the most talented roster of the ACC, and I think it has the most talented weekend rotation outside of Knoxville. Um, I mean, that's that's really the strength of this team. Now, I think the whole key for Wake Forest will be um, keeping those pitchers, you know, and, and they did a great job of this last year, but like they made great strides on the mound last year. If you look at their staff ERA, all their numbers improved. But um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a three ERA pitching in that ballpark. And that's fine. All you have to do is, is score more runs than the other team, right? That's kind of their philosophy. And so um, 
you know, can you can you get Rhett Louder and Teddy McGraw and Josh Hartle rolling and build up confidence and maintain that confidence when they start giving up a few home runs and you know conference play with the weather getting getting warmer at home? Um, if they can, I mean, you're talking about three guys that have first round potential in your in your rotation and and Louder besides Chase Dolander, for my money is he's the best pitcher in the country who's not named Chase Dolander. Um, and so that's a great place to start, but, uh, it's, it's, you just, you think about Wake Forest, they're an offensive team. They hit a lot of home runs and they still will, you know, I still think Wilkin and, and Nick Kurtz for my money is might be, I don't know if he's an underrated player. Um, because I think he might be the best player in that league. Like he's absurdly good. Uh, and everyone's going to know that soon, but it's just a matter of, you know, the pitching, the pitching is good enough to beat anybody. And, and let's see if that manages to live up to, to the expectations and all the fall buzz that we heard on those guys. Mm, love it. Uh, boys, number seven is the Florida Gators. And the headline is um, just sick of not being themselves. You know, like just get back to who they are. Remember, you know, now Vandy fans would argue with me on this. But to me, in the 2010s, the program of that decade is Florida. Seven Omahas. I mean, that, that's literally impossible to do. Um, they, they won one national title, not two like Vandy. But seven Omahas is a joke. It's not that easy. I promise you. And so... Um, you know, but the truth is this Florida program has lost back-to-back home regionals and they just haven't been themselves. But I would tell you, you know, you've got a player of the year candidate in Wyatt Langford. You've got a really good rotation. Brandon Sprout, you know, you could argue saved the season last year. You know, Hurston Waldrip comes over from Southern Miss, who is just, you know, that is the, that is arguably the most uncomfortable at bat in America. And then Pierce Coppola, and it might be Coppola or Coppola. Can somebody from New Jersey please get on us at Twitter and tell me how to pronounce that name? But I'm going to go Pierce Coppola. Um, this kid is going to be the most talented Sunday starter in the country if he's healthy. I mean, you're talking about a, I don't know, six foot six, six foot seven lefty that's going to be mid to upper 90s. If he was healthy last year, that changes their season. Um, so I think Josh Rivera will have uh, uh, his best season as a Florida Gator. And then my favorite Florida Gator is Jack Caglianone. This is a two-way player that I think is circle him as a breakout candidate. He was really good down the stretch. He had had Tommy John surgery. I think he's going to be a real two-way factor for Florida. I just think Florida is in the best headspace they've been in a, in several years. I think they're going to get back to to what they're they're used to being. So um, there you go. There's the Florida Gators at number seven. Joseph. Number eight, we got the Arkansas Razorbacks. My headline here is Arkansas it coming. Um, because when they get to Omaha again this year, you can <laughs> yes. say that, that that I saw it coming. Um, Thank you. I, because I'm just I'm just like living in a world where I really don't care what the personnel is at Arkansas anymore. Like I just I just don't like they. I mean they 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 had the one year okay. They get they run into an NC State team that looked like a you know a team of destiny in, until we we saw what happened in in Omaha. We we won't relitigate that. But um, but for the most part, this team just figures it out and finds a way to Omaha. Right. And they've not been teams without shortcomings. Right. There's been teams that the offense has gone silent at the wrong times. There have been teams that are a little bit short on the mound and yet they they just kind of find a way. And so I I have to assume they're going to figure it out again. And and that's not to say I don't like this personnel. I do. I'm just saying that, like, I don't even really need to see it. I mean, I think I just have a lot of belief that they're going to find a way. And I think sometimes program culture and things like that. And, and Runes probably disagrees with me as someone who comes from that world, but program culture and stuff gets thrown around a lot. And I think sometimes it's, it's, you know, worth about as much as the paper you write it down on. Um, but I do think in some cases it does matter. And I think we see it with a program like Arkansas where they just problem solve on the fly about as well as anybody. And so 
again, look, I mean, we could talk about the personnel here, and, and certainly they, they did well in the transfer portal. I like what they did there. Jared Wegner from Creighton, who I think could have a big year this year just because he's not going to be playing roughly half his games in TD, or excuse me, Charles Schwab field. Um, you know, Tavian Josenberger, I thought, was not that different a player in terms of how dynamic he was for Maui Ahuna. Ahuna's numbers, obviously, at Kansas um, better, but Josenberger, like a similar type of player in terms of being dynamic and versatile. He can play a lot of positions and he swings the bat well. Um, and Hudson Polk, and I'm just going to assume anybody Arkansas throws behind the plate to catch is, is going to work out. And so they get him from Oklahoma, kind of a spare part for Oklahoma, frankly. And I, I, I just kind of get the feeling Arkansas is going to turn him into a real guy. So the question with them is, is going to be kind of what you see on the mound. And it's some of the usual suspects, most notably Jackson Wiggins. What do we get from Jackson Wiggins, right? One of the best arms in the country. Um, but is he ready to be a workhorse? You know, he showed some flashes last year, but at the end of the year you look up and his ERA is above six and they're not really sure they trust him. And so uh, you like what you have with Hagen Smith. You like what you have at the back of the bullpen with Brady Tigert. Hunter Holland, the JUCO transfer, sure looks like he's ready to step in. But, man, it feels like Wiggins is just that kind of – that linchpin where it can go one way or the other. If he's ready to be a real dude, all of a sudden now we're talking about an excellent pitching staff. If he's not, it's still a good pitching staff. It's still a dangerous pitching staff. And Wiggins still has a role to play. Um, but there's a pretty large variance there in what he's going to bring to the table and, and what it means for Arkansas on the mound. Love it. Home UKR. You're muted. Yeah, Oklahoma State's up next. You know, I think when you look at these guys overall, you know, the thing I really like about them is the fact that, you know, they get kind of run off the field last year uh, against Arkansas. Uh, hold on real quick. I like it. Break, I thought we were going to have breaking news there for a second. Fitzy, do you want to take number 12 and we'll come back to Okie State? You're muted now. It's mute. It's ping pong of mute. It wasn't my turn, Runes. I wasn't I ready. Know. I know. Kendall, Kendall uh, just pulled the parachute on himself. Th throwing us off for a loop. But the, 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 the swiveling empty desk chair is a haunting image. I'm, I'm just going to take <laughs> a long a time to, to get over that. I hope he's okay. Oh, everyone's okay. Yes. Uh, down there in, in spring texas hey listen i'm gonna i'm gonna buy some time here stealing minutes as billy packer used to say thank uh, you vanderbilt um you know it comes in at number 10 i think that's, number 10, uh, there that's my next team right yes um you know, team that kind of was a little bit uh i don't know there's just something missing last year right i don't you know i don't mm -hmm. know um if, if you were if you were to diagnose it you know it just like it just wasn't quite that same uh, dominance, I guess, on the mound that they certainly had during the rocker lighter era. But um, I feel like I look at this team and, and Runes, you know better than I did because you saw them in the fall, but it just feels like a pretty balanced club. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on, on Carter Holton. I think he's the next great Vanderbilt ace. Um, and I kind of like the way the pieces potentially fit behind him. I'll just kind of be interested to see how, how the roles settle. You know, I mean, how do they use Patrick Riley and Sam Labaki and, um, you know, I, I, I love the bullpen. Uh, if yes. I'm, you know, it's one thing that I'm really excited about with Vanderbilt is, uh, you know, the depth, first of all, is there. But I mean, with, with Thomas Schultz and, and Maldonado and Hunter Owen, I mean, um, we're talking about veteran guys that all have real stuff here and experience. Uh, I love betting on the bullpen, you know, and that's, I think, maybe the underrated thing about Tennessee last year. The reason they were so good is their bullpen was just just suffocating. And I think Vanderbilt's bullpen will, will be suffocating this year. So that's one reason why I feel like this team has a real chance to overachieve from where we have them ranked at number 10. And, and you look at the lineup too, 
You know, I don't, you know, sure there, there's maybe um, some questions that still need to get figured out, you know, roles in the infield in particular, but I mean, I'll, I'll go to war with a lineup that has a, a Bradfield and an RJ Shrek um, and uh, you know, guys like, like Parker Nolan have been around now. It feels like it's his time. Um, Jack Bulger, the same, like those guys have to kind of do it, but it, it you know, I'm Vanderbilt has a pretty good track record with those third year guys having a breakout. And I think that, um, I think that's going to happen. So I, I think they will be better offensively. I think they'll be better than the mount. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. Fitzy, let me throw something at you on Vandy. So, so I didn't realize this Enrique Bradfield last year hit eight home runs. Yeah. Like, like that snuck up on me. So here's the question. If Vandy has a great year and Enrique Bradfield goes from eight to 15 in home runs, which is not unheard of, right? That's not a big ballpark. And he goes 60 steals. <laughs> like that's a real like national player of the year resume, yes. right? Oh, like, yes, absolutely. It's a great point. I mean, and, and you know, I don't know how many times we've seen, a player win national player of the year without hitting a ton of home runs as, mm-hmm. as a position player. Right. Um, I feel like it's not that common, but I feel like that's the profile. I mean, that guy that's going to be an on-base machine steals a ton of bases. And if he can, I think if he hits 12 home runs, you know, just double, reach double digits at home runs, um, steal a bunch of bases and, and, you know, just, he's such a disruptive force. He just changes the game so much every time he's on base, um, whether he steals or not, he's a threat to, and everyone knows it and it's all consuming. And so, uh, I just think his value is, is, is hard to quantify. It's just such a, such a valuable player. Yep. Amen. So if Kendall doesn't return, Fitzy, I'm going to give you a warning. If Kendall doesn't return in a second, I might have you take Oklahoma state and we might just yeah. three man this until we jump them back in. So I've got East Carolina at number 11 and you know, like, you know, East Carolina, Cliff Godwin, they're going to dominate the American and you know, like last year they won game one of a super regional and nearly knocked off Texas to go to Omaha. I mean, you know, they hosted a super regional, this program, I mentioned how consistent Stanford's been. I mean, we're getting to that point in time where East Carolina is hosting a regional every single year. And the thing about East Carolina, when you start to look at this roster, the headline is I recognize all those names, right? Like last year's team was really, really good. And it's just a lot of familiar faces and it's a very familiar program. You know, I, I think about Josh Moylan at first base. That's a big left-handed hitting donkey that I think he will have a much better year this year. Jacob Starling was a hero in the postseason. Alec Makarevitz, I just wanted to say the last name at third base. You think about Lane Hoover still there and, you know, a table setter. Jacob Jenkins cohort is, you know, maybe a conference player of the year type of guy. The conference pitcher of the year was Carter Spivey in a relief role. He's going to go to Friday night. You've got Josh Groves and Troy Yasevich, who are really good arms. And, and again, like they're just under Cliff Godwin and that coaching staff. East Carolina is recruiting in a very high level. They're just a very consistently excellent program. And so, you know, it, it's like a stock you can just count on. I want to invest in East Carolina. So um, it, I, I just that, that's a very trustworthy program. And we've got them at number 11. So, uh, Joseph, go ahead. Got to North Carolina at number 12. My, my headline here is no need for triangulation. UNC is the real deal. <laughs> That's a reference to, uh, UNC thank being you. in the research trial. For those who don't know the research triangle, uh, region oh, of North you. Carolina, home to UNC Duke and NC state. Um, I, I tried to work in some like headlines that involved like Piedmont and like some regional stuff, but it just, you know, I came back to the triangulation regardless. I think this team has one of the higher floors of teams we're talking about here, just because you, you look at this roster and I, 
I was kind of struck by how many of the guys were like, oh yeah, that, that guy's back. Oh yeah, that guy's back. I mean, the headliners, Van Tunnicutt, okay, like, got it. He might, you know, he might be the best player in the country, frankly. You know, like, that wouldn't be a shocking development if he came out and was just that guy. And so there's that, but, you know, it's, it's Tomas Frick behind the plate. It's Alberto Osuna, like, you know, guys back hitting 20 home runs, like that, that guy's back. You know, Colby Wilkerson, Matt Horvath, um, you know, quietly really good year last year. Um, Joe Jakonski, Hunter Stokely, Johnny Castagnazzi, like not all of those guys have been stars, but they've played a lot of games. They have a lot of experience. And so they're bringing back a pretty experienced position player group. And, and then on the mound, there's a lot of things to like too. Max Carlson at the front end, I think. I really like Connor Bobert's arm. We'll see what, you know, he can kind of do in the rotation this year. Nick Pry is a veteran. They got Nelson Berkwich from Vanderbilt. But I, I worry less on the mound. And I've changed my view on a little bit of a, I'm a Carolina skeptic because I would go in the last few years, I've gone in and like, you know, I don't love the personnel on the mound. And I kind of nitpicked it. And then they're just really good at, finding the right pieces and they, they, they will mix and match all year if they have to, to find mm-hmm. the right guys. And Lord knows they do like that. They'll play some games that are three forty-five or four hours just to try to find the right guys. And, um, but that works for them. And so I'm kind of, again, I'm, I'm kind of like Arkansas, like I'm living in a post worrying about UNC's pitching kind of world. So in this kind of year where I actually like the personnel, like I feel like that probably suggests that their ceiling is, is pretty high on that unit. So I think take kind of, you know, whatever you think UNC is, I think that's kind of their floor. Like, I mean, this is a team that I think it's easy to kind of glide past the fact that this team was in a super regional last year. And yeah, it went pretty quick. Like it was one of the faster super regionals, but you know, one of the final 16 teams standing and on paper, I think this team is, is a cut above what they were last year. I don't think there's a whole lot of arguing that. So that's, you know, it's a team that's, you know, ACC title contender. If it's not wake, you don't have to go far before you start talking about Carolina. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. I am guilty of taking North Carolina for granted at times. And, you know, even, hey, like you said, they host a Super Regional and it was quick, but it wasn't like it was blowouts. They just lost two games and, and it was over. So, Fitzy, let's do this. I'm going to have you saw Oklahoma State this fall. Let's take you take number nine, Oklahoma State, and then take number 13, Maryland, if you don't mind, and then we'll keep moving from there. Yeah, Oklahoma State, my headline here is loud tools. This is a team that has real firepower on the mound and in, in the lineup. And you saw the, the, you know, the power offensively last year, of course, especially in that crazy regional, but um, you know, between Nolan McLean um, with his enormous power and enormous arm strength, one of the most talented players in the country, uh, Nolan Schubert um, at uh, the true freshman who probably will play, I'm guessing one of the corner outfield spots. Um, I mean, this guy, he's going to be special. It's like a Josh uh, Holiday, <clears throat> excuse me, Josh Holiday compared him to like a, a, a Josh Hamilton type tool set, you know, uh, in the fall. Now, we're not saying he's Josh Hamilton, but is that kind of body and, and, and ability? Um, you throw him into the mix, dynamic guys up the middle with Zach Earhart and Marcus Brown and Rock Riggio, um, all in on Rock Riggio. I think he's got a monster year. Um, you know, I just think he's, he's a natural born hitter and, and I, and I like the, the edge that he plays with the fire. Uh, I know he can rub people the wrong way, but sign me up on this guy. Um, so anyway, I, I just think there's, there's real star power with that group. And then you bring in a, a Jerron Watts Brown from, from Long Beach state. Um, that's exactly what they needed. You know, a, a legitimate top of the rotation, all America, you know, first round kind of a talent to anchor their, their staff. Um, and, and then Jansen Kiesel from, from BYU. There's a lot of power arms on this staff, but this mm-hmm. guy, don't forget about him. 
you know, I saw him, I think, up to 98 in the, in the fall uh, with, with, you know, <laughs> a wipeout slider as well. And it's power stuff coming right at you. It's aggressive. They got a bunch of power arms, but those are the kind of the headliners. So um, I, I just think they did a really good job remaking the roster especially with the, the portal and the, and the Juco guys and some freshmen, you know, Bull Sylvester being another one. So you, you could have two, two freshmen in the lineup every day with Schubert and Sylvester. Um, Maryland was the team in the big 10 last year. I mean, yep. clearly, and clearly they still are. And once again, it's like one of those, one of those things where it's like, Hey, you know, they had this, this incredible year and you, you know, they lost a bunch of guys, but then you, you look at it and it's like, there's actually more back here than I was expecting. You know, and I remember thinking that early in the fall, like, Hey, wait a minute. Like they still have a lot of dudes, you know, and right. Matt Shaw being Matt Shaw being the dude of dudes. Um, I, I, again, I mean, if you tell me this guy winds up being first team all American shortstop, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I think I could see that. Uh, I think he's got that kind of ability. He's performed for two years, performed in the Cape. He defends, he hits for power, he runs, he hits for average. He, I mean, he does it all. Um, and he's from Massachusetts, in case you forgot that, Roots. That's right. He also says a gender. <laughs> yes, well, probably, yes. Um, like teams that are strong at the middle, you know, and you got mm-hmm. Shaw and you got Schlager behind the plate, um, who I think is a really, um, really talented and emerging catcher, a chance to be a good draft pick. Um, you know, and then you got some nice veteran pieces like, like Bobby Z is still there. And, um, you know, uh, Nick LaRusso is still there. Guys that have performed, have track record and, and maybe, you know, the pitching depth, you could, you could raise some questions about some of the track record of some of those guys, but, um, by God, they still got Jason Savakul and Nick Dean, you know, I mean, these are proven weekend warriors, a one, two punch that stacks up with most teams out there, you know, and Savakul in particular, um, I think that guy wins Big Ten Pitcher of the Year. I think he's an All-American. I think he's really good. He's a Team USA guy. Um, so, you know, there's enough star power and there's enough pieces around him, complimentary pieces. I, j- I just think that they are um, they just look really good again. I don't have a headline besides that. They look really good again. I love it. All right, so number 14, I want to make sure I have that number right. Number 14 is Virginia Tech. Uh, boys, the headlines on Virginia Tech is this is a program of life lessons. The first life lesson is don't assume. Don't assume just because some stars like Gavin Cross and Tanner Schobel move on that the next team is going to be bad. That's a bad assumption. The second life lesson is Joe Healy is the EF Hunton of college baseball. And if Joe Healy likes a team in the fall, you need to dive in and look closer. And Joe Healy, I had I had walked away from Virginia Tech. It was convenient. Stars are gone. I'm just going to move on. And Joe, you you forced me to take a second look. And you were right, because if you start to dive into this roster, it's really good. I love how many left-handed hitters they still have here. And you've got Jack Hurley, who's a star, one of the best athletes in college baseball. Carson Jones, left-handed hitter, who looks like he's ready to, to break out. Carson Martini was phenomenal as a freshman. How about 15 home runs and 50 RBIs as a true freshman? Um, they've got a lot of good dudes back in that position player group. And then on the mounds, you know, Drew Hackenberg was you know, tremendous as a freshman. He's back. Griffin Green is back. Um, the whole bullpen's back. Jonah Hurley, uh, Kiernan, he- or Kiernan Higgins, Henry Weicker. So Virginia Tech is just a very steady program right now. I just, I wasn't ready for them to be good in back-to-back years, um, as good as they were last year. And that was, that was a mistake by me. Like th- th- this is, I, I maybe didn't give this program enough credit. So Virginia Tech, you know, I, I think we've got an aggressive ranking here, but I believe in it because you start to look in this roster, put the brand away because they're remaking the brand, Virginia Tech baseball. 
Um, it's a very, it's a very strong roster. So, uh, Joseph, number 15, who do you got? 15 is TCU. And I'll admit I miscounted because I forgot Kendall's not in the cycle anymore. So I was banking on 16 Louisville for which my headline was Cardinal win, which is just a play on Cardinal sin. And that's really bad. <laughs> but since I thought of it, I thought I'd Thank share you for you. that. So, but anyway, oh. 15 TCU, my headline is TC new, because I think Ooh. if this team is <laughs> yes. going to, is going to be as good as if it's going to hit its ceiling, it's going to get big performances from some of the new faces here. Now, they're obviously important returners. Braden Taylor is one of the best players in the country that I think has largely been been overlooked. And there's some other nice pieces there. Elijah Nunez is, is a, a really dynamic player who, you know, uh, defensively, his, his speed plays well defensively and on the base pass. So you, you like that. Um, you know, they've got some nice pieces, especially back on the mound in the bullpen. But you look at some of the guys who are new here. And so I talk about Trey Richardson coming over from Baylor, likely to play second base or a freshman in Anthony Silva at shortstop or Austin Davis, a West Virginia transfer in the outfield, Cole Fontenelle, a junior college transfer who started his career at Washington, Ryan Vanderhei, a transfer from Kansas, who's going to be in the weekend rotation. Like those, those pieces are going to have to be a big part of things for TCU to really reach its, its ceiling. And to me, like TCU has kind of been a program that um, has been a little bit easy to overlook lately. And I think this this team has an opportunity to kind of break through that noise a little bit because TCU has been a, a little bit in this purgatory where, you know, they've had years they've hosted, they've had years they've been a little bit off the host line, but they really haven't been Omaha, that capital letters Omaha good in, in a little while. And I think this team at the, at the, the ceiling of it could be that kind of team, but it, it is going to have to lean on those new faces to really be that. Love it. Joe, you're killing the headlines, by the way. Thank you. I've got you putting as the Miller Lite a lot of the game at halftime right now. Putting a lot of pressure on that. Like, I'm having to look ahead. Like, I'm not doing a great job of listening to you guys. I'll be real honest with you. Because I'm just, like, <laughs> sweating, sweating bullets about my headlines and, and looking ahead. So, that's, hey, you know. This is, this is pressure. Like, this is the first time we're talking about some of these teams. And we have not all written these fall reports. Yeah, this is – I'm with you, Joe. Like, the, the, uh, the nerves are, 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 are jumping here. Yeah, it's really just about the headlines for me. Like the content about the teams is whatever. Like, you know, like it'll be yeah. fine. But the, I got I got to nail these headlines. So that's that's a thing. Look at you. Capital J journalist. Yes. Well that's done. Right. KR. Uh sorry about back. that. I, I was not feeling too hot. I had to uh take care of some business. So sorry about that. Um <laughs> You have sixteen, Louisville. If you Yeah, I think you. I got like one sentence in and all of a sudden uh it was about to get ugly on here. So uh <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Louisville is really interesting, guys. You know, I think when you look at this team overall, they're one of those clubs that could end up being very much lower than where we have them. And one of those clubs that I feel like could even be in like the top eight if everything clicks. I think the thing about Louisville is if you look at kind of the offensive pieces of Christian Napchik, Jack Payton, and guys like that back offensively, you're, you're kind of looking at this team and going, hey, like I'm all in, like I'm 100% believer. But then you kind of go to the pitching staff. You know, you look at, you know, Riley Phillips on the, on the front of that rotation, take, you know, take Keener in the two hole, you know, Carson Liggett in that week of rotation as well. I think the biggest thing for me is I think they're going to hit, uh, you know, when you look up the middle of Napchik, they're going to defend. But the question is, do they have enough pitching with, you know, some of these other teams in, in the ACC uh, and nationally? Do they have the pitching to not only win a super? get back to Omaha, but do they have enough to compete for a national championship? And I think there are some serious question marks on whether or not this pitching staff has, has all the pieces and, and not only the pieces and the talent, but the consistent pieces 
uh, to make a deep run this season. I love it. Uh, boys, breaking news. Roger Goodell has come to the podium. We've had a mid-pod trade. Uh-oh. Mid-pod trade. Uh-oh. The fabulous Rune Dogs are trading number 18 Southern Miss to 50 Cent uh, for, oh with, for the 17th pick, the 17th ranked team, UCLA, and cash <laughs> considerations. Don't tell Jay. Did I, did I create a trend here? Yeah, yeah, we're all with over my, the map now. It's, it's even better. Yeah, so so Fitzy, thank you for that. That you know, and and Joe, we believe in trades. Both teams got to win, and I think both teams did win here. So um, the fabulous Rune Dogs get number seventeen UCLA, and boys, this is crazy. UCLA, I don't have a headline except for to say they haven't been back to Omaha since twenty thirteen. That's a that's we're, this is year eleven, really year ten because you got to uh, ixnay the pandemic. But this is this UCLA team is very interesting. It's the number one ranked recruiting class in the country last year. And they invested in those freshmen. I love the rotation. You know, Jake Brooks, Alonzo Treadwell, uh, Ethan Flanagan. They're, you know, Cody Schreier at shortstop. He could be a Pac-12 player of the year. Ethan Gorson's going to play second base. He could be Pac-12 player of the year. Those two kids played every day as freshmen last year. Top five in the league in doubles. Um, th- this is just, they're really talented. They're very UCLA-ish. They're going to pitch. They're going to throw strikes. I don't know. I, I like the cut of their jib. I just like the vibe of this team. Um, I think they're a little bit more physical and athletic than maybe you would um, portray as a West Coast team. But they're, they're, they, they do all the normal UCLA things. They're going to pitch. They're going to throw strikes very, very deep on the mound. I think it's the second best team on the West Coast besides Stanford. Fitzy, all you. Agreed. Um, second. And, and I think they're due to, they're due to get to Omaha. It's been, yeah. two, it's been a, it's been yeah, a decade sure. now. Yeah. Uh, Love to see if they can if they can get over that hump this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern Miss also due to get back to Omaha. This is uh, team eighteen in our rankings. Um, a team that uh, okay, we get it. They lost Hurston Waldrop in the portal. You know, would would have loved to have had him back, um, but uh, that didn't happen. Um, you know, and, and they lost some key pieces in the bullpen. You know, Ramsey and Harper; those guys are gone. Dalton Rogers; they lost the count. I don't want to live in a, a post-count world, Oof, but me either. fortunately, they do still have the Viscount, Rodrigo Montenegro. <laughs> um, Gabe's brother is, is back. Um, There's just a ton of experience in this lineup. You know, that's that's the strength. It's just a really – names that you know, you know, as we talked about a lot here. Danny Lynch uh, played a boatload of games so far in his career. So the Sarge, you know, at first base, Chris Sarge had eight, whatever, 20, 21 home runs last year. Uh, he's still there as a fifth-year senior. Lake Johnson behind the plate, who will probably split time with, with the Viscount. He's still here as a fifth-year senior. Um, you've got real tools in the outfield. Matthew Etzel, who I think is going to be uh, just a dude. I think he's their best player as a Juco transfer. Um, just a really physical guy that, that runs and hits and has a feel for the barrel. Uh, he'll, pro- he'll play center field. He can go get it. And then, and then Carson Pato, you know, speed and power in, in right field, in arm strength, pro tools, you know, high-end tools. Played Wilkes has enormous raw power. Um, he'll probably be their DH because you, guess what? You've got another fifth-year senior in the other corner, Reese Ewing. I mean, a lot of experience. Dustin Dickerson at shortstop, fourth-year guy, you know, who also will probably see some time in the, in the bullpen this year. So uh, experienced lineup and then one of the best pitchers in the country in Tanner Hall. Um, and there's some power arms behind him that need to emerge. Um, that I'm betting on, you know, with, whether it's Nico Mazza or, or Matt Adams or the, the freshman um, Middleton, J.B. Middleton, who I, I saw really good in the fall. 
Um, there's 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 talent, but the, the pitching is a lot less proven. And so if you're going to nitpick, that's the question mark. But I love the ability in the mound. I love the ace on the mound. And I love the experience and, and just kind of versatility in the lineup. It's their turn, Fitzy. Southern, you know, Mississippi yeah. State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, step right up, win That's yourself right. a national title. That's right. Joe Healy. Number 19, Virginia is for homers. <laughs> like Virginia is for lovers. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. I like it. I like it. I'm on board. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> because, uh, because, I mean, Virginia might, uh, like, like low-key one of the top offenses in the country, probably. I mean, when you talk about the return yeah. of Kyle Teal and – Jake Geloff, who I always have to think hard and make sure I don't say Zach Geloff, but Jake Geloff, uh, Ethan Anderson, Casey Sauke, Ethan O'Donnell, a transfer from Northwestern, who's a really fun player. Harrison Didowick is a freshman, has got some pop from both sides. And that's to say nothing of guys who you don't think of when you think of homers, but really good offensive players like Gr- Griffo Farrell and Justin Rubin, who, who are in this lineup. I mean, it's a, an offense that can score runs in a lot of ways, but they are going to hit a lot of balls out of the ballpark. And so that is going to prop Virginia up. I think that controls their floor because they're going to hit and hit a lot all year long. That controls their floor. What controls their ceiling is going to be on the mound. And that was a little bit of a question last year with Virginia. And that was a team that had Nate Savino um, who, you know, we can nitpick that maybe he didn't totally live up to like the, just the huge advanced billing he had coming into college. It was a very solid starter for that team last year. And then Brian Gursky, who was a USC transfer, who, really kind of, I, I admitted this when I was at EA and we were talking about it, like I had relatively patience for what he was going to do. And, and he was, he was extremely serviceable in that role. And so those two guys are now gone. So you've got Jake Barry back who, you know, started second half of last year in the rotation and had some great results, had some not so great results, but he's now going to be leaned on in, in a big way. And then you kind of have a grab bag of guys of Connolly early and army transfer who has pitched well against the best teams he's played in his career, pitched well against Southern Miss in a regional last year, but he's jumping from the Patriot League to the ACC. Um, Nick Parker, a Coastal Carolina transfer, who's got a lot of innings under his belt, um, you know, really veteran guy, stuff is, is good enough, not super high octane. And a freshman in Jack O'Connor, whose stuff is high octane, but he's a freshman. Brian Eddington, an Elon transfer, who's kind of in the same vein as, as Nick Parker. So, there's just like this grab bag of pitchers that they're, they're going to mix match with to try to find the right combination in the starting rotation. And then in the bullpen, they have the same question, but they have Jay Wolfolk, their best arm at the back end of the bullpen, which is a nice luxury to have, but, but who fills in around him, right? Is the question. So the offense controls the floor for Virginia. I think the floor is very high for that reason. What controls their ceiling is, is how much they get on the mound. And that's going to be the big question for them. Love it. KR. Yeah, number 20, uh, Alabama. I think the really interesting thing about the Crimson Tide is, you know, Aaron made the comment a minute ago about experience, and this is a team that has a lot of it. I mean, if you look at Alabama's offense, they have, you know, nine, you know, they're starting nine are all juniors or seniors, and six of those guys are either four-year players or, actually, you know, actual straight seniors. So they've got the experience part with Andrew Pickney and company, you know, offensively, Dominique Tamez, guys like that. And then you look at the Alabama from a pitching standpoint, and guys – Alabama is one of those teams that, like, if you've talked to Brad Bohan over the last few years, he's always kind of said, like, man, like, we're, we're just not quite there pitching-wise yet. We're just not quite there. And this is a pitching staff that is there. When you look at Gary McMillan and you look at some of the starts that you had last year, you know, I, I kind of think back to the Texas series earlier in the year when he – I think they lost the game, but he had, like, a two-hitter against Texas and Austin. I think about that game when I think of Gary McMillan. You look at Ben Hess with a, with a fastball up in the mid-'90s. Huge stuff, huge upside. 
Uh, and then you look at Grayson Hitt, obviously the, the, the junior lefty, a guy that's uh, certainly – uh, more than capable of having a big time breakout campaign. I can I can promise you, you know, and Aaron saw him in the fall too. He will definitely have an ERA lower than five this year. Uh, his ERA was well over five last year, so he's a guy that we kind of expect to take a big step forward. And I think the other thing too is, you know, when you look at a team like Alabama and you're trying to take a big leap forward on the national stage, you know, winning those midweek games is important too, especially with the with the competition they have in midweek. And you're talking about a guy in Jacob Maneri. Uh, in their midweek games. I mean, you're talking about a guy who started multiple SEC games throughout his career. So I think when you combine the the, the nine upperclassmen offensively uh, with, the, with the talent in the rotation and a, and a nice piece in the, in the midweek spot, man, this team has a, you know, it's a, it's a tough team to believe in because they haven't done it yet. But this is a team that on paper, you should absolutely buy stock in. Love it. Fitzy. Fitzy, it's Fitzy I'm time, you. guys. Come, babe, you go, we go. Hot kids. This, this is another Fitzy special right here. South Carolina Gamecocks. No way, I'm skipping one. Oh, I'm skipping three. Do Sorry, you want to make a trade? Yeah, wow. no, no, no. no. Res- I, oh, of course you skip NC State. We, we would tell you, of course. <laughs> wow. We were talking in Alabama. I've got Alabama and South Carolina linked in my head. Forget it. We're not talking about the Gamecocks. We're talking about the not, Wolfpack guys. Not yet. <laughs> got ahead of my skis. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Wolfpack of, of NC State, they're going to hit because they always hit. Yes, they, they always do. hit every single year, and this year is, is no exception. Uh, once again, second year, they did a great job in the transfer portal. You know, you, you, you bring in those two d- dudes from Davidson, um, Candelaria and, and Nolan, um, real impact players in the outfield, along with, with obviously Carter Trice from Old Dominion, who's been a Team USA guy. Um, all those guys bring power, and you know, you've got athleticism out there too with that group. Uh, I still have Dom Palali, who came over from Charlotte last year. Um, another year removed from knee surgery. I think he's going to have a big season. And, and Gino Groover, I mean, it's, you know, the big key for me is there's there's two things for NC State because they're, they're going to hit regardless. But, um, A, you know, up the middle, they need to be better, I think, at catcher and shortstop than they were last year. And um, they're counting on Zach Cozart um, and Peyton Green to take big steps forward. And, and, and I think that not Zach Cozart, Jacob Cozart, excuse me. Um, a lot of Cozarts playing college. Yeah, there's too, too many Cozarts. Uh, and yeah, but those two guys are sophomores and they, and they really, you know, they got their feet wet as, as true freshmen at demanding positions. And, and Green wound up moving to third base, but he'll come back to short and he'll do a good job. And it sounds like both those guys made good progression in the fall. Uh, got to be strong in those positions. And I think State will be. And then, secondly, the biggest key of all how healthy is Sam Highfill? Um, Matt Willardson, you know, he also had, had some, you know, coming off injury, uh, didn't pitch in the fall. Uh, it's not like he was progressing really well, but high is just the X factor. I mean, I, you know, we saw how good this guy could be. He was a preseason all American for us last year. Um, it, it's a guy that has competed and, and, and thrived on the biggest stage that we can offer in Omaha. Um, I mean, it's, it's when he went down last year, it just killed this team. And, and, um, if he's healthy, Gives them that bona fide ace, you know, to kind of anchor everything and eat up 90, 100 innings on the weekends. It just makes it a huge difference for this team. And then you've got Willardson and Whitaker and probably Logan Whitaker penciled in behind him. And that's a solid rotation, you know. And, and then I think it all comes together for this team and they could be an Omaha club. But uh, for me, that's just a wild card right now. We just we just don't know. Coming off a back thing, um, you just you just don't know. So fingers crossed on that for the Wolfpack. Mm, love it. Boys, number 22, your Miami Hurricanes, mm. the U. Here you go. Uh, the, uh, the, my headline is, who needs supporting actors, right? 
the, the, what I'm telling you about Miami is the top of this roster can trade punches with anybody. You know, CJ Kafis at first base to me, he's kind of a poor man's Mark Kotze, meaning an undersized, just baller, you know, like a guy that can affect the game in a million different ways. Yo-Yo Morales at third base. I mean, he's capable of 20 home runs and 80 RBIs. Like this is a, a dynamic bat. Uh, Dominic Patelli at short. Hey, getting Andrew Walters back as the closer, you know, you, you need to do yourself a favor and look up his numbers from last year. They're just comical when you think I'm going to look them up for you right now. Andrew Walters, 32.2 innings and 66 strikeouts and six walks. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's ridiculous the numbers he put up. And, you know, it, but again, the, the depth of the roster, 62 strikeouts, I should say, the, the depth of the roster is the issue. Is there, you know, Gage Zeal or can you be a Friday night guy? Alejandro Rosario, like big arm, but can we miss bats? Uh, but the, the top of this roster, there's star power. Like there's all American caliber, caliber players. And, and so that's why a team, they're, they're really hard to walk away from. Um, I, th- this is a team, there's a wide range of outcomes here. But again, the, their, their stars are legit dudes. Jose. All right, this is my worst headline. Just fair warning. Uh, so I've got South Carolina, uh, much to, to Fitzy chagrin because he was chomping at the bit to to get in here on this one on one of his uh his sure uh, his pet teams this this preseason. But uh, I've got Hootie and the Get to Know Fish because yeah. uh, South Carolina famously. <laughs> That is your best headline. That's your not best your worst headline. headline. What are you talking Thank about? You. Thank Trust you for it. that. Kaboom. Um, you know, famously, Hootie and the Blowfish uh, from the state of South Carolina, big South Carolina Gamecock fans. Um, and I've seen them in concert, actually, recently. It's a Even pretty better. good show. If you're into kind of that 90s nostalgia thing, actually, it's a, it's a pretty good show. So uh, I, I give them my, my highest recommendation. Just a, a fun night out. Um, to, to tell them Joe sent you. Um, so <laughs> I say they get to know fish. Yeah, <laughs> this this is a, a team that's leaning heavily on the transfer portal and um, on the offensive side of the ball, and in particular, the position player side, um, you know, Gavin Cassis from Vanderbilt and Wilma Gillis from Southern Miss and Caleb Dinney from Oral Roberts and Jacob Compton from Memphis. And I'm sure I'm missing some uh, Brewer from from Clemson, you know, just on and on and on. And um, most of those guys have track record, right? but they don't have SEC track record. And to me, that's just a big variable. It, it seems like it can really go either way. I mean, we, there are countless examples, and we could, we could sit here and go through them if we had the time, but of guys who came up from a lower level of Division One go into the SEC and just, and just rake, right? You know, hello, Sonny D, right? I mean, great numbers at Stanford, but you just never know. He gets into the SEC and somehow was better. <laughs> you know, go figure. But for every one of those, we also get one that just doesn't quite translate. And so I really like this group for South Carolina, but we have to acknowledge there is kind of that variable there that sometimes it just doesn't take. Um, on the pitching side, love Will Sanders. Um, really like him at the front of the rotation. I think quietly he was he kind of went out of the radar last year with his performance. I think part of that is because South Carolina, as the season went on, kind of faded a little bit and, and was was kind of out of the mix. And so you know, Will Sanders kind of got overlooked, but one of the best pitchers in the country there really like that. The question is kind of what you get behind them. And I know Fitzy maybe agrees here that by the end of the year, maybe the answer is Eli Jerzenbeck, um, the young kid they have that maybe starts the year on end for the weekend because they want to bring him on slowly. But certainly the stuff is there for him to be one of the better guys in the SEC before his days in, in South Carolina are done. So um, that's utterly yeah, electric, this guy. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a variable to watch there. So um, if they find Will Sanders, a, a complimentary running mate in the rotation, uh, I think they're really cooking with gas. Um, but South Carolina is a team that just, it almost feels like 23 is the exact wrong place to put them. And that's not a criticism. Uh, let me explain myself. If some of these variables hit in the positive, I think the ceiling is pretty high for this group. And we're probably looking more like a team that, Hey, this team might be able to host, maybe they're top 15. But if some of these things don't click, they're not going to be a top 25 team. So 23 almost feels like a hedge that maybe isn't quite right. I have a feeling they're either going to be better than this or they're going to not be this good. Um, and it's really anybody's guess which way that goes. Yeah, Joe, no, you know what I messed did. up the ranking of South Carolina was we got a terrible headline on them. So that like I, I blame the headline for the misranking <laughs> displacement. Sorry, just kidding. It was actually There's- a tremendous headline. Yeah, it was it was fantastic, and uh, the the get to know you fish. You're gonna get to know uh, <laughs> this Mahoney kid coming off injury. Yes, huge arm. You know Noah Hall. I don't know why people don't don't know Noah Hall yet, but uh, he's good. And and look, it's 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 going to be a an elite pitching staff, an elite pitching staff. Uh, you could book it. Book it's it. just a matter of you know, like you book said, how, how how those transfers do making the transition to the SEC. But the reason I'm, I'm so bullish on the Gamecocks is because I'm all, I'm just, I'm all in on that pitching staff. And, and I think they did what they needed to do following the A&M playbook um, mm-hmm. to, to, to bolster that lineup with older, physical, mature guys who take good at bats and, and have some, some thump um, just to kind of make sure that they're, they're capitalizing on this year when they've got a, you know, an, what I think could be an Omaha caliber pitching staff. And so they just needed to make their lineup you know, better. And it doesn't need to be an elite lineup and, and we'll see if they've, if they've done that, but I, I, I'm pretty optimistic on this team. We all know if you survive the sec, you can get to Omaha. Like there's just, that's just in a, you know, there's no denying that. So KR. I, I am very strangely enough as a writer, I'm extremely poor at headlines, but uh, you know, if you go out to West Texas, Joe knows what I'm talking about there. You can see a lot of stars. So my headline on Texas tech is where I have all my stars gone. Uh, when you look Ooh. at Texas tech overall, well you know, this is a team that over the last few years, they had Josh young in, in that group and Gabe Holt. They kind of turned the, you know, kind of get kind of gave the torch to, to the younger young Jace young. But the thing about Texas tech, when you look at these guys offensively this year, fellas, like, you know, you kind of you look at this team, you go like, where, where's the production from, you know, does Kevin Bazell take a, a big step forward, you know, Drew Woodcox, a guy who struggled at Rice last year, a really bad Rice team, didn't didn't see the field a ton at times. You know, they think he's going to – they think that, you know, he had a great fall and he's going to be a big-time breakout guy. You know, Ty Coleman's they're, they're literally their, their top returning hitter from an average standpoint. So you look at Texas Tech, and this is the, the, the most questionable Texas Tech team of Tim Tadlock's career, there's no doubt – but like Joe kind of said about Arkansas, like you just kind of trust Texas Tech and Tim Tadlock to kind of figure something out. And I think when you look at this team, I think if they're going to figure something out, where they're going to figure it out at is on the mound. I think if you look at Mason Molina on the front end of the rotation, you can work with that. Like he's a guy that's had a lot of experience. He, he's, you know, when he's on, he's, he's he can be an elite pitcher. You know, Brennan Gurton was a guy that was up to 97, 98 at times in the past in his career. He needs to stay healthy but he's got big time upside. So I think for Texas tech, it's going to be an interesting team because I think typically you're looking at tech and going, okay, they need to be offensive. They need to be, you know, they need to re- really kind of create things offensively in order to, you know, get to Omaha and compete for the big Toll crown. I think this team's different. I think this team has a lot more potential and upside on the mound 
than they do, you know, anywhere offensively right now. Love that. Fitzy, number 25? Number 25, gentlemen, is the Oregon Ducks. And uh, this is another really interesting team because, um, you know, I really, really like this position player group. Uh, that, that to me, it feels like a top 10 kind of position player group. It, it's right there with Stanford, maybe just a tick behind Stanford if you're, if you're looking at, um, you know, position player groups in the West. Uh, between, between Drew Callie coming back as, as a fifth-year guy with, with real tools, um, Jacob Walsh, who's got serious power, Tanner, Tanner Smith takes so many good at-bats and just a hit machine out there, Colby Shea coming back. Uh, you throw in Owen Diodati from Alabama, who I know had, you know, kind of maybe an underwhelming, certainly an underwhelming year last year, but he's got SEC experience. He, he's, he seems like he could take the, the Brendan Malone path, you know, and, and kind of be that post-hype sleeper going from the SEC to the Pac-12, putting up big numbers. He had a great fall for him, big power. And then Sabine Ceballos, the, the junior college transfer, and all these freshmen that we really like that we're high on, Dominic Hellman and Drew Smith. I mean, there's a lot of competition for jobs over there. I think they have a lot of athleticism and power. And you know versatility, um, they can move pieces around to find the right combinations. It's going to be a really fun team to watch. It's just a matter of do they have enough pitching, and you mm-hmm. know, and and will Isaac Ion be healthy at some point? Will he be a factor? Uh, so like that is a question mark heading into the season. Um, they're counting on Jay Stoffel to make a big jump. He was really good for him after he got healthy last year in the second half. Um, RJ Gordon, just kind of that solid, you know, reliable kind of, kind of stock righty type guy, you know, that you can, you can wheel out there. Maybe, maybe Logan Mercado can take another step. I, I love Logan Mercado as a reliever. Um, can he make the transition to being a, a weekend guy as a starter? Uh, a little bit of a different deal. I'm, I'm not, I'm not positive, you know, we'll find out but what the answers are on the mound. I don't know if they have enough arms, to be honest with you. That's why they're ranked number 25 and not 16 or 10. Um, because it's, it's like I said, I think it's a top 10 position player group. Uh, I'm a little skeptical on the pitching, but uh, I, I really like that coaching staff. And I think that they've done a pretty good job of, of you know, getting a lot out of these guys. And uh, uh, we've got them as the third ranked team in the Pac-12 heading into this year. And, you know, Arizona's right there. Oregon State's right there. All those teams have questions, um, but uh, but to, as Joe said it earlier, you know Oregon's position player group gives them a high floor. You know, like, mm-hmm. like Virginia, they're actually they're actually very similar to Virginia to me. We, we had this discussion in our rankings. I just yeah. like Virginia's arms a tick more than Oregon's. No, I yeah, I'm, I'm hey, you mentioned it a second ago, Fitzy. Like that coaching staff at Oregon, it's, it reminds me a little bit of Tennessee, where you know Mark Wasikowski has done a great job as a head coach. He was an elite recruiter. Uh, Jake Angier on the pitching side, Jack Mortar. Like these, I, I think this is three future head coaches on this coaching staff right here, and um, that's part of it. Boys, let's let's rip through two rounds of teams that just missed. Let's each pick one. I'm gonna capitalize. I'll go first, Fitzy. Like so, you you alluded to um, Arizona, and the truth is, we discussed Oregon, Arizona, and Oregon State. Like you just said, you know who's the third best team in the Pac-12, and I think we kind of went round and round on that. I know I did. Let me speak for myself. Um, Arizona is going to hit chase Davis had broke out last year. He's a beast. Nick McClary's college baseball, David Eckstein. He's a winner's winner. Um, you know, it, it's uh, Tony Bullard is a name to write down. This is a six, four, 215 pound third baseman with shortstop actions. If he's healthy and gets rolling, this is, he's going to threaten, you know, pac 12 player of the year that he could put up those type of numbers. It's his fifth year at Arizona. He's a really skilled kid who just hasn't been able to stay healthy and on it for an entire season. 
you know, and, and TJ Nichols on the mound. This kid's up to 98 with an 87 mile an hour slider. He's pitched a bunch over the last two years, but his ERA is over five. And so the question is, can he find it for one year? If he does, he's a first round pick. So Arizona, um, I, if they pitch enough, I think they're, they're, it's another postseason team. Go ahead, Joe. Pick one of the teams that just missed. I'm actually going to go Texas, which is not an answer I kind of expected to give. But as I was going back through things, I, I felt a little bit differently about than I thought. It, it is kind of just a bet on – we know there's talent here, right? It's just we don't mm-hmm. know the names yet. And I think sometimes it's really easy to – undervalue and I get it like I'm not actually I'm not even going to make the counter argument to this I just think it's human nature that when you don't recognize the names you tend to kind of undervalue what a team has um but I would also say there's probably yes they lost a ton there's just no way around that but I think there's like a little more familiarity in the lineup than you probably think right I mean I would bet on a Mitchell Daly bounce back you know last year was a kind of a tough year for him I think Dylan Campbell is has like a, a star written on him like I think he's probably prime for a jump. Eric Kennedy's a really good offensive player who makes a lot of things happen with his legs. Um, you know, they brought in some transfers, you know, Porter Brown's had a lot of trouble staying healthy at TCU, but when he's been on the field, like people rave about his skills. So can he put it all together in a year at, at Texas? Garrett Gillamette coming from USC, like, you know, guy who has a lot of power and, you know, played in the Pac-12, like how does that translate? And we know they're bringing in highly ranked recruiting classes. So you take all that and, and on the mound, I think it's, okay, Lucas Gordon, you got that. I think you can feel pretty good about that. And then they have some question marks in the rotation, but I think Texas is just going to be a team. And let's talk about context real quick, right? I mean, in talking about these teams, none of these teams are teams that we're going to peg for, hey, these are Omaha contenders. I mean, some of them inevitably will be. Um, these are more teams like, hey, could they could they get into the top 25 at some point we're talking about? And I think with Texas, they, they can certainly, especially if by the end of the year, I think they're one of those teams, I think, pitching situation looks quite a bit different in May than what we put down on paper today because they've got good arms. I just think it's a matter of finding out who goes where and putting those puzzle pieces together. And I don't think you or I, or maybe even David Pierce could tell us like exactly what that's going to look like come May. And so I'm just going to bet that that talent is going to shine through. And I also think, you know, in the big 12 that has some, has some questions outside of, you know, Oklahoma state and, you know, we talked about some of the questions we have about TCU and Texas Tech. Is there an opportunity for, for Texas to be a little bit of a, I hate to say surprise because it's Texas, but is there just kind of an opportunity in a, in a Big 12 that might have a little bit of a soft middle class this year? I think that might be the reality of the situation. Mm, love that, KR. Yeah, you know, I was going to mention Jalen Flores. I mean, he's a guy that in the fall for, for UT was really, really offensive. It'll be interesting to see if he can stick at the high corner, but keep an eye on that bat. Uh, I'm going to go with La Tech kind of go to, uh, you know, Conference USA here. I think when you look at Lane Burroughs and the job, you know, they've kind of done over the last couple of seasons, you know, they, they've established pretty impressive consistency. And I think when you look at La Tech overall, you look at Jonathan Fincher, you know, Lane was kind of joking with me in the fall that he's back for like his seventh year. And it feels like he's been there that long. So when you look at Jonathan Fincher on the front end, you know, Greg Martinez is going to go into that week of rotation as well. He was a guy that was up to – you know, 97, 98 this fall took a huge step forward. Raleigh Hector transferred in from AM uh, and had a great fall too, showed impeccable command. If you look at that offensive lineup, you know, they did lose some pieces like Taylor Young, but you look at, you know, George Corona back behind the plate. You look at Phil Matulia back uh, as well from an offensive standpoint, Adarius Myers. There's some really nice pieces top to bottom. 
uh, not only offensively, but when you look at this team in the mound. So, uh, you know, this is a club that, you know, is a couple of years removed from, from hosting a regional. And uh, I could see them working their way into the top 25 and working their way into that discussion yet again in that conference. Love that. Fitzy, who are you thinking about here? It felt weird to me not to have Florida State in the top 25 because of because of the the pedigree of their 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 weekend rotation most likely um i mean assuming they use wyatt kroll in the rotation with carson montgomery those are two team usa guys um and and you know jackson bowmeister like those are three high-end talents you know like any one of those three guys or all three could wind up being first round picks um they have that kind of upside and what they don't have is is the track record. I mean, Kroll has been great in, the, in a relief role, and I, I love him in a relief role. Uh, he's not a really, really big guy. You know, we'll see if he can hold up as a, as a starter in that kind of a workload, how that translates, if, that, if in fact that's how they use him. Um, Montgomery is like the classic case of God. It looks, it looks so beautiful. It's like, it's how you, it's how you draw it up, like physically the way it comes out of his hand, like the stuff, like the metrics of all these, you know, but the fastball is feel like it just plays a little light, even though it's 96, 98 or whatever. Like, uh, you know, it, it's all there. It's four pitches. It's just got to put it all together. I mean, it's, this guy had a, you know, what a, a five ERA last year, something like that. I mean, it's, it's time for him to, to make the jump and, and, and Bo Meister is a sophomore. You know, he only pitched 27 innings last year. And, and frankly, my look in the fall was a little underwhelming. I know he was better than that other times in the fall, but he, he's kind of generic when I was in there. But he, he's famous for a reason because he's very talented. He's got a great body and there is stuff. And so, you know, there, there are question marks beyond that for this team. They need to play better defense. Uh, especially up, you know, the, the middle infield remains a little bit of a question mark for me. Uh, Link Jarrett is harping on that, that the, the, the necessity of taking better care of the baseball. Uh, Notre, his Notre Dame teams always play great defense. Florida State in recent years has not played good defense at all. In fact, they've played awful defense. So there's a long way to go there, but I feel like they've got the right man at the helm um, to get there. You know, I think they're going to take better at bats. I think they're going to take better care of the baseball. Um, but you know, let's see how much progress they can make in those areas. Let's see if those, those three famous arms and there's other arms as well. There's plenty of power arms there. Um, there's a lot of upside, but there's a little bit of a gap between where they are and, and, you know, the upside, you know, there, there's, uh, they got, they got the proof. So it's, it's a classic case of, Hey, prove it. You're outside the top 25, but I mean, it's got Omaha upside this team. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Oregon State, boys, and just stay with my West Coast bias. And, you know, or you kind of alluded to it, Joe, but like for Oregon State, it's kind of like you, you lose that much star power. It's really hard to rank that team. I mean, you lost the National Pitcher of the Year in Cooper Jerpy. You know, Justin Boyd, Wade Meckler, and Jacob Melton, they scored 219 runs by themselves last year. 219 runs. That's 70 plus per guy. So, you know, like, hey, Travis Bazana, the Australian, is back at second base. Garrett Forster, I love. That's like a throwback run producer. Um, I do really like this bullpen's back with, you know, Ryan Brown and Ben Ferrer and um, the Townsend kid, Brock Townsend, I think his name is, real great strike door. I wish they had more bat-missing stuff in the rotation. Um, you know, Gavin Turley is a, is a freshman phenom name to know. But it's just, you know, it's, it's what you said, Joe. You know, there's so many new faces here for Oregon State. You love the pedigree of the program. Um, and that's why we, we consider them very, very strongly. But, man, you lose four monsters like they did. It's, you know, like th that, those are big holes to replace. And, and, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. But those are real things. That, those, that's big production that's got to get replaced. 
All you, Joe. Deliberate. We do another round of this. Is that is that what this is? Are we do one, we... one more. Yeah, uh, lightning rounds. Okay, I guess. All right. Uh, <laughs> That's wow. a headline. We're way past Joe's bed bedtime. Yeah, That's the headline I'm right now. too excited. I like he, I like he's over a sign. I'm over here getting sick. He's over a sign. Love that. <laughs> no, I, I, I kid. I, although I, I admit, uh, dear listener, uh, runes did catch me off guard. There. That was a that was a real moment. But I, I did have kind of in in the holster Notre Dame. Um, Thank you. Just because, uh, yeah, shouts, shouts to Rune. Um, Go Irish. Shouts to Rudy. Shouts to Rocket Ishmael. Um, Thank you. Now you know, you're talking. Shout out to Luke Heron Goaty. Is that, that's a guy, right? Yeah. He was Tony Ron Rice, Powell. best, we best college quarterback of our generation. Ron Paulus, for sure. Ron, Ron Paulus. Yeah. His son's on yeah. the team now, yeah, football team, that is. Oh, really? Yeah. Shout out Tommy Reese. Um, Thank you. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, this was a team when we talked about them, we, and, and they didn't get a ton of super serious consideration but when we i think we all kind of had the same collective moment when their name came up at first we were kind of like eh probably not but then we looked at the team and we're kind of like well actually um because they are one of those teams where you look at these factors right really old team last year we knew that uh lost their coach at the end of the season and in a transfer portal era of college baseball we know what that typically means right um but then we look at the roster and it's like, oh, actually, there's a lot of – they really didn't have the attrition in the transfer portal that, that other teams do. And, yes, they were really old last year, and that meant they, they did lose some, some key pieces, but they still kind of are really old. And so maybe is some of the magic gone, right? I mean, maybe. Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll never be able to measure that. We'll just have to see. But, but that is a, a little more of a veteran team than I think I anticipated seeing coming into the year. And kind of similar to what I talked about in the Big 12 with Texas is that, you know, I think there's an opportunity in the ACC. There's kind of like maybe a little bit of a jumbled mess there with some of these teams we've talked about. So I do think there is an opportunity for, for teams to be a little upwardly mobile in a way that maybe in the SEC, they're just not, isn't necessarily that same opportunity. So don't assume that Notre Dame takes an obvious step back in 2023 kind of at your, at your own peril, I guess is what I'm saying. Very fair. Kara, you take one, Fitzy, you take one, and I'll mention kind of a uh, – I'll do a Costco value pack at the end. We'll shut her down. Just like five – you're going to just do like five at once? That's right. Five uh, pack. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. You know, this is a team that last year you – know, I, I still think back to the Shriners College Classic. I think Joe was actually there with, with BA when I was there. But, uh, you know, you think back to the way Oklahoma played early in the year last year, and when you looked at those guys offensively, you looked at OU and you're like, Man, I like what they have on the mound, but like offensively, they got a long way to go. And you know what? Uh, Oklahoma's, uh, you know, hitters kind of stuck to the process, as they say, uh, Reggie Willett's process uh, as the season progressed, as we got to the to the postseason. That was an Oklahoma offense as a well-oiled machine. And I think when you look at, you know, year two under Willett's, uh, who certainly established himself as a very good offensive coach, uh, I think when you look at that lineup with, you know, Jackson Nicholas, you look at John Spikerman, you know, he's an he's electric kind of versatile guy. You know, Wallace Clark has gotten off to a nice start uh, this spring so far. Uh, Kendall Pettis is back. I actually think they have some nice pieces to work with from an offensive standpoint, at least a solid foundation. If you have a solid foundation, that gives you a, that gives you a chance, right? And so I think if we look at that and you look at the pitching staff, you have to, you have to always kind of believe in an Oklahoma pitching staff with Skip Johnson leading the way. And, and yeah, you know what? They lost Kate Horton. 
but, you know, when you look at the pitching staff as a whole, you know, Jamie Hitt, the, the Texas Tech transfer, had a really good fall. You know, Aaron saw him when he, when he went to Oklahoma during the fall. He had a very good fall for them. He has electric stuff. Uh, he was, I think he was uh, well, well up our list of rising prospects when we did that back in the, earlier this fall. But, you know, keep an eye on him. And, of course, Kel Davis. I, I feel like we've talked about Kel Davis for, like, nine years now about how, like, oh, like he's finally going to turn into, like, that dude. And I just kind of wondered now that he's at a new place, now that he's at Oklahoma, if, like, it's a clean slate, everything else is kind of washed away, and he just finally puts all those pieces together. And then we look at Will Karsten and, and Aaron Calhoun and guys like that. I think this Oklahoma team uh, has some question marks, but I think this is a club that, dare I say, like last year, could they be another Omaha sleeper? I don't think I would I, – I don't think no matter what, I don't think I would call them a sleeper this year. But they're a club that I think if, if a few things kind of come together, they're more in this TCU discussion than they are not being ranked. Fair. Fitzy, last one from you. And I'm with you on that. I, I, on my board, I had Oklahoma as a number three team in the Big 12 yeah, this year. Yeah, he did. I, I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch, um, With obviously, with all that speed. I mean, I, and I've told you guys this, but, I mean, the day I saw them in the fall against the, the Rangers instructs team, I think they stole, like, they went, like, 12 for 12 stealing bases in the first, like, four innings. Like <laughs> four Wallace, innings. Let's Just, go. like, running ragged. It was and nuts, man. It was so nuts. Great. It was so fun to watch. I love it. I'm all in for that style of baseball. Um, you know, I hate to – keep going back to the to the well but i mean like the sec is so crazy guys um mm-hmm. because like the teams somebody you got to pick somebody to finish 10 11 12 13 14 in this league and you know uh, those bottom four or five teams in any given year any one of them could make a jump up just look at AM last year you know pick to finish whatever 10th yeah. or 11th and, and they go to omaha um mississippi state and auburn could both do that you know, I, I hate that we've got nine teams in the SEC in our top 25, and neither one of them is Mississippi State or Auburn because either one of those teams could be really good again. Um, Auburn coming off another Omaha appearance. I mean, yeah, again, you know, there's, there's firepower, there's star power to replace with no more Sonny Deshara. And Blake Burkhalter was such a huge part of that thing last year. And, you know, Brody Moore's gone. Carson, you know, they, they lost guys. But, I mean, Joseph Gonzalez and Chase Alsop has a chance to be a very good one-two punch. Um, Chase Isbell at the back end gives you shutdown ability. I mean, they need Bobby Pierce to be the guy that he was this fall. He was their best player. Um, they need him to kind of, you know, slide into that that primary run producer role. You, you stick in an Ike Irish, who's a, an exciting physical freshman catcher, who I think is going to hit a ton in his career. Um, there's still a lot of good pieces. It's not it's not as sexy of a roster as some of the other teams that we've. We've talked about in the SEC, but um, there, you know, it just feels like one of those programs. Kendall keeps talking about this, like the program that has established consistency, like Lane Burroughs kind of deal, like under Butch Thompson, Auburn has kind of reached that benefit of the doubt status as well. And so mm-hmm. I hate the fact, again, that we don't have them ranked. And then there's Mississippi State coming off a dead last place finish last year. Um, this team is, in my opinion, kind of more more sexy when it comes to the the talent in the lineup i mean there's big mm-hmm. tools here um both colton ledbetter and, and dakota jordan two newcomers huge power speed tool sets um you know i think slate alford is a major major breakout pick uh at third base you know hunter hines had a, a monster freshman year there's a ton of power in this lineup question is can they figure it out on the mound and again Lots of arm strength, lots of guys that have big time stuff. 
Um, is this the year for Casey Hunt? Is this the year for Parker Stinnett? Um, you know, can they stay healthy and do it and be like be guys that, that they can count on? You know, Cade Smith was good last year. Can he be a Friday night starter in the SEC, like a front end dude? Um, you know, needs to, needs to prove it. I think he can, though. I mean, it, there's lots and lots of depth. You throw in an Aaron Nixon, an Nate Dome, newcomers with power arms in the bullpen. Uh, there's a ton of upside on this pitching staff, but there's also some uncertainty on this this whole roster, really. But especially on the on the mound. And so, um, but don't be surprised if if Hale State is is back there in a super regional or even in Omaha, because I do think it's that kind of talent. I really do. I mean, they brought in a top five transfer class and a top five freshman class, just like LSU did. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the thing is you're thinking the last year they were terrible. They finished last place. Last year was a perfect storm. They had a ton of injuries. Um, and then they, then they refreshed the roster in a dramatic way with both the transfers, Juco guys and the portal and the freshmen. And I just think all that is going to add up to a team that's going to be hugely improved this year. Yeah, that whole league is just a mosh pit. <laughs> Boys, let me rapidly run through some of the teams that just missed that we didn't mention. Georgia Tech, we know they're going to be offensive. Rutgers, their center fielder, Ryan Lasko, is like a Mike Trout um, physicality with a run tool, one of the best players in America that probably doesn't get enough love. UConn is like a Southern Miss where it's just a program you can trust. They're good every year. It's easy to forget. They won game one of that Super Regional last year at Stanford. You know, Georgia, same thing. Like, it's a it's classic SEC squeeze out, old program you know old team uh you know they're very dangerous campbell charlotte georgia southern again these are programs that are just consistently good that we think will be good again grand canyon's got the best shortstop in in the country that's me speaking jacob wilson and two real arms in in connor markle and danny avidia so uh you know it's greg wallace's first year as the skipper but grand canyon is going to be very very good santa barbara is very young but i don't think you can not keep your eye on them like i mean they've quietly become the class of the big west so you know this this you know you guys know it every year just gets harder and harder to pick 25 teams um we should have ranked 45 but kendall vetoed that so runes i'm disappointed you didn't have jacob wilson in your uh, top 25 (laughs) the franchise jacob wilson at 24 oh that would have been great so boys uh we pound the over 38 minutes we didn't do 38 did minutes know, <laughs> yeah well done well done uh hey uh, never <laughs> never a bad time to get a sub at d1baseball.com but now is the best oh, time man. just use the code save 23 at checkout you get 20 percent off save 23 get 20 percent off gentlemen good effort it's late at night Happy MLK Day. Um, The season's 30 days away, guys. 30, 32 days. Let's go. Um, We'll catch you next time. Everyone have a great week. It's conference preview season. We're in the no sleep zone. Let's go. Have a good one, everybody.